Give it up for the smartest person in the room, Stacy Johnson. My beautiful, wise wife is going to tell us all what the future holds. I'm just going to do the announcements. Is this on? Stephanie, can you turn that mic up? Just a tiny bit, please. Turn it up, turn it up. Just a little bit. That's fine. It's okay. That's good. Thank you. All right, we just have a few announcements that I'm going to go. I'm not going to do all the announcements like for months in advance because I think that's too much. Um, I'm going to tell you all the plans we have for Easter. For Easter Sunday, we're going to do a breakfast here in the morning at 930. So bring a breakfast item to share. Um, we'll have breakfast. as a, you know Everybody will come. We'll have breakfast that morning. After church that day, we'll have an Easter egg hunt out front for the kids, and then everybody can go and enjoy their day with their families. Um, so that's what we're going to do on Easter, which is, what's the actual date of Easter? Ninth. Ninth. Um, so just bring a breakfast item to share. We'll eat it around 930, and then we'll have church at 1030. Um, if you want to donate or bring plastic eggs filled with candy, that's awesome. We have a whole bunch already, but if you want to bring more, that's fine too. The more the merrier. The kids love ha having to look at all that stuff. Um, let's see. Men's prayer breakfast, Jeremiah's doing it bi-monthly, so the next one's going to be May 20th. At what time? Uh, 9 a.m. We'll continue to announce that. That's not till May. Yeah. Um, the Myrtle Beach Conference, that is in June. If you're interested in information on the Myrtle Beach Conference, um, get with one of us, and we will give you all the information. And then the youth camp. The youth camp is coming up. We yeah, got some of the information's up here. The youth camp is coming up also. That's at the beginning of July this year. We changed the date a little bit earlier so more people could go because sports have already started when we usually do it. So the youth camp is super fun. If you have a youth-aged child and you want to go, let us know because we usually take like an RV and the kids just kind of sleep. Uh, Jeremiah drives up there, but we need to know how many kids are coming because the RV only holds so many kids. And then we'll rent a van if we need to rent a van um, separate from that. So if you want information on that, let us know. It's awesome. The youth camp's my very, very, very favorite thing that we do in ministry that I've ever done. So, like, it's super fun. You go, yeah. you play, you have fun with the kids. And my favorite part is watching the kids get changed by God, and then they come home different people. It's awesome, awesome, it is. awesome. It's, it's amazing. We love it. Lil, what's up? She's bum-rushing the stage, boy. Lily, all right, and that's, that's all I'm going to announce right now in regards to that. I'll keep announcing the stuff that's down the road. The most important thing right now is just Easter because that's the, yeah. the, the next thing that we have going on. And Mom. then the kiddos are with me upstairs. So if Go you're a mommy. kiddo, Go mommy. Go upstairs. We might actually end up outside, but we're going to start upstairs. Awesome. She said, I play music. <laughs> Awesome. Hallelujah. All right, let's turn to Luke chapter 12, please. Luke chapter 12. Hallelujah. So I can bring that a little bit closer. Luke chapter 12. Can somebody snag me a bottle of water back there, too? I forgot to get a bottle of water. I'm a little bit hot up here. So, amen. Luke chapter 12. If you guys want to turn there. Yeah, I'll take it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Yeah, he is a good son. Hallelujah. Me and Ethan coached our first uh, soccer game together. 
on Saturday. He, he's the head coach, I'm the assistant coach, and uh, he did awesome, and we won like eight to zero, so yeah, we crushed the other little kids. No, <laughs> no we eased up on them. We were trying to take it easy, but uh, anyway, so it's good. Praise God. But um, Luke chapter 12, and, and what, what's really been laid on my heart, um, how many know we're, we're, we're living in um, unprecedented times? You know, we've never been in times like we're in right now, and uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, a lot of darkness that's in the earth, but uh, I'm not scared, and you shouldn't be scared either, because these are the best days of our lives, this is the best time of the church, and uh, how many know light shines brightest in darkness, right? And so uh, it, it's really time for the church to just shine. And uh, it's not a time to draw back. It's a time to move forward. And um, it's a time to win. And in winning, we're going to help people. We're going to love people. And we're going to take care of people. And, you know, we, we're living in a time when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. I think in the past few years, we've realized that um, we, we can't necessarily trust the media. And we can't necessarily trust our government either. Praise God. Um, not that I'm not, you know, I still pray for the leadership of our government. I'm not anti any of those things. But I think one of the past few years has shown us that we really, everything that you have trusted in has probably been shaken. And, and it's not a bad thing because how many of you know there is one that we can trust in and he's never going to fail us? And I'm talking about the Lord Jesus, amen? And, um, and, and Jesus is alive and well and he's the king. And uh, he's the king of the kingdom, and the kingdom is alive and well in the earth, and the kingdom is here. And so uh, we don't want to move in, um, in line with the spirit of this world, but we do want to move in line with the, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is within you, and God has great plans for that kingdom to flow through you in the times that we're living in. And so I think really, and specifically, what God really kind of laid on my heart is uh, how many know that the price of everything is increasing, right? I mean, has anybody noticed, you know? Uh, you know, price of literally everything, uh, you know, I don't think the price of anything has really dropped or stayed the same. You know, price of eggs, price of gas, price of beef, price of everything is increasing, right? And so, um, which can tend to, to make people nervous um, because, you know, how many know that we all got to take care of our families and we got to take care of the people around us? And so when that type of stuff gets shaken, um, it can really try to make people afraid. And what I would encourage you is that you don't have anything to be afraid of. And that, that, that don't, don't trust in the dollar. Don't trust in these things. But put your trust in the living God. Because throughout the Bible, there have been times of famine. Um, there's always been times of famine in the Bible. And a famine is a time, you know, when the people aren't reaping properly. Things aren't, aren't there's not a lot of reaping. Um, and so... Uh, you know, we might call it in our times recession or, or whatever we might call it or, you know, depression or whatever. But the bottom line is there have been many times in the Bible when this happened. But what I want to encourage you is, is that God has always provided for his people. God has always taken care of his people. And not only does God provide for his people in times of famine, he actually promotes his people and blesses his people. Uh, how many know that... that one of the reasons we experience so much evil in the land is how many of the wrong people have all the money? Because when the wrong people have the money, how many of money's not evil? It's not evil. You can, you, can, you can take money and you can do something good with it. You can take money and you can do something bad with it. And, you know, I, I read a study years ago that if we split up the, the finances equally amongst every single person on this planet, every man, woman, and child would have $10 million dollars. So it's not an issue of lack. How I many of oh, God didn't create a planet where there was lack? It's an issue of greed. The wrong people have the money. They're trying to hoard the money. 
And, um, and so, but in times of famine, there's a shaking that happens. And what can happen is there can be a tremendous amount of wealth transfer. How many know when the children of Israel came out of Egypt that there was a transfer of wealth? Some of y'all may not know that, but it's true. They, they did, and they spoiled the Egyptians, and things changed. And so I, I say all of these things to tell you, don't be worried about the price of eggs or the price of gas or dropping bank accounts or any of those things. But what I do say to you is it's really time to, to, to look to the Lord and to just follow him. It's just time to follow him. You know, I think we've had a time in America where we kind of played patty cake church, you know, and, and we kind of punched our little time card and we have our little bumper sticker, you know, have our little fish on the back of our car and all those types of things. And I think that's fine for a season, but, you know, how many other parts of the world, they can't just play patty cake church? How I many you know, in China, you can't play patty cake church? It's an underground church. And if you miss God, you might die. And there's, there's persecution all over the world. You know, in Iraq and Iran, they have, you know, these underground churches and these things that God is moving and things that are happening. And in America, we're experiencing a level of attack and persecution that we've never experienced before. Uh, we've lived comfortably for a long time. How I many of oh, God has blessed America and will continue to bless America? I'm in no way, shape, or form thinking God's given up on America because he has not. And, and, um, but what I do want to say, that in the days ahead, there, is, there will be shaking and there will be challenges, but if we'll, if we'll draw near to the Lord in a place of relationship and we'll just walk with Him and just do what He says, then everything's going to be all right. Now, when I'm talking about doing what He says, I'm not trying to bring you over into a position of legalism. I'm not trying to say if you make a mistake, you know, God's not going to bless you. I would never say that to you. Once again, how many know the cross was a success? Yeah. I'm not talking about perfect Christianity, folks. I'm not talking about a flawless Christianity. That's, that's not what this thing is about. It's not a performance-based thing. And, and let, me, let, me, let me give you an analogy real quick to make that super clear. Let's say I have a two-by-four right here in the middle of the floor, right? Is it, can we turn the heat down? Is it hot in here? Is everybody comfortable? Is everybody happy? I'm hot like a mug, but I'm always hot. That's a 90s term, like a mug. Some of y'all don't know nothing about that, but... Amen. I'm going to turn some AC on or give me or throw an ice cube at me, you know. I don't know. Praise God. If everybody's comfortable, it's fine, but I feel like it's hot. But anyway, let's pretend like there's a two-by-four right here in the middle of the floor, right? I mean, you know, I can walk that two-by-four probably pretty easily, right? Not that hard. But let's say I take that two-by-four and I raise it 200 feet in the air. How I many you know, all of a sudden, an action that was easy became difficult? And the reason it became difficult is fear of failure. Fear of failure will cause your performance to be much worse. Another example. How many in the backyard, you can be shooting on the basketball go, hitting free throws all day long. But then you put you in the game. How many of game time free throws different than a backyard free throw? Backyard free throw, man, no problem. Game time free throw, what? There's fear of failure. There's repercussion. And so much of the time, because the new covenant hasn't been preached and the cross hasn't been preached from a place of it actually being successful, a lot of people think they're one step away from God rejecting them. They're one step away from going to hell. They're one step away from God being mad at them. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true. That is not true. Uh, Jesus did a good job, and there's a net beneath you that will catch you no matter how many times you fall. You can, you can fall every day for 10 years, and that net will continue to catch you. And I'm not encouraging you know, bad behavior, but what I am saying is that your bad behavior and my bad behavior is not stronger than the cross. Amen? So once you're in the house, once you're in the family, you're not going to be kicked out. Amen? And so I want to encourage you in that, and that, that's the good news, right? 
But, but in the midst of that, how I many of you know the reason God made it like that is so that we could have relationship with Him? So just because I fail and I make a mistake doesn't mean that God's not still going to talk to me and bless me and lead me and guide me. You have to understand that. It's a relationship. You know, my daughter, um, you know, she currently produces poopy diapers and, uh, and some pretty epic poopy diapers, I might add, <laughs> periodically. You know, sometimes me and my wife, we're doing paper, rock, scissors. We're like, it's your turn. It's your turn. I'm like, ah, I, f- I always lose. I don't think I've ever won paper, rock, scissors. Anyway, that just dawned on me right there for just a second. But how many know that, that her poopy diaper does not change her value to me? Just because she, she did, I mean, I, in fact, when she makes a mistake and she does that, how many know I want her to come to me? Why? Because I can help her. It's the same in the kingdom. So your relationship with God is rock solid, and God's not going to take it away from you. And, um, it, it, and so, but how, how many know that out of a place of relationship, God can lead you and guide you? You're going to need leading in business. You're going to need leading on your job. You're going to need leading on what to do. You're going to need leading in what to buy. Can I get an amen? amen. And I also don't think this season is going to last forever. I think it's going to break, and we're going to come out on top. But we have like this, there's going to be a season of some challenge. And the way I see it, it's almost like a, it's like a narrow, I mean, oh, the birthing canal is a narrow road. And it's a challenging road. And those, those of you that's been through it, it can be a painful road. But on the other side of the birthing canal, there's a birth and there's a beautiful baby. And I believe there's a purging that's happening of evil in the land. Uh, and I believe in the, in the government. I believe in the school system. And I believe in the church, too. So many people turned off by church because they've been so hurt by church because church has been a den of thieves rather than a house of prayer. And people have been so focused on taking from people and taking people's money and stuff like that and that, that people have had a bad taste in their mouth. But God's cleansing his house. And, and these next, I don't know how long it's going to last, but this next season, it's going to be a, a kind of a tightening birthing canal, but uh, it's not going to last forever. And on the other side of it, there's going to be a, just a beautiful place, I believe, for our country, for our families, for our school system. How I many of it's time for the pendulum to swing in the other direction, right? It's swung to darkness. And we've seen that the darkness is so bad, it's like we're watching a bad movie. It's like, I can't believe this is actually true. I can't believe this is going on. But that pendulum is about to swing back into the other direction, and it's going to be very powerful, and it's going to be very strong. But it is a season to, to walk with the Lord and to do what He tells you to do. So Luke chapter 12 and verse 29, speaking in, talking about provision in the kingdom, Jesus is talking here, and He says, Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. How many know God doesn't want you to worry? How many know God doesn't want you to worry? God doesn't want you to worry. Worry is not a part of God's plan for your life. If you're worrying, you're trusting in yourself. The, the only reason we worry is we're trusting in ourselves, right? How I many know oh, you're not called to trust in yourself? Okay, get an amen. How I many know oh, you got a savior? You got a hero, and he's mighty and he's strong and he's gonna rescue you, right? So you're not called, not called to be anxious, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you need these things. He's talking about provision, talking about food and clothing and all of these types of things. That's the context of this passage. It says, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So in the days ahead, don't get worried. Just make sure Jesus is first. Make sure the kingdom is first. 
And there's a rearranging of priorities. And I'm telling you, when Jesus is first, your marriage is better. When Jesus is first, you're a better parent. When Jesus is first, your business is better. Your finances are better. The health of your body is better. Everything's trying to sit on the throne of your heart and be number one. Everything's trying to be an idol. And, and nothing is more important than him. When he's first, everything's in order. And he's telling these people who are worried about provision, they're worried about where they're going to eat and how they're going to take care of things. And he says, just relax, don't worry, just make my kingdom number one. Because I'm here to tell you, your provision is in the kingdom. In the kingdom, God will multiply the bread. Can I get an amen? In the kingdom, God will multiply, God will increase, right? But the, it, the thing is, the kingdom, just keep it first. And listen, everything's going to try to attack that. Everything's going to try to be number one. Everything is going to try to sit on the throne of your heart and be the most important thing in your life. And no, nothing and no one deserves to be there. Not a person, not even your children, not your spouse, not your job, not your boat, not your car, not your hobbies. All those things are idols unless he's number one. Amen. I've had many idols in my life. I've had many things that I put before him. But it's time, it's time of realigning of our priorities and putting him number one. Because as we put him number one, he's going to guide us through this season, and we're going to come out on the other side on top. Can I get an amen? And here's the thing. Relax. If, if, if you have some time where he's not number one and you fall, who's going to catch you? He is. He's going to bring you right back. And if you take three steps and you fall again, what's he going to do? He's going to catch you. And he's going to bring you right back because he's that good, right? So anyway, the pressure's on him, not on us. But we choose what we focus on. We choose what we prioritize. Amen? Now, let's turn to 1 Kings, please. I cannot get away from Elijah right now, man. I mean, I just, God has just had me studying this like crazy, and I just keep coming back to it, keep coming back to it, and keep coming back to it. And because I feel like this period of time, how I many you know everything in Scripture is written for our learning? And I feel like in our nation, we're in a similar time to what they were in 1 Kings. Because, you know, they, they had leadership that was not godly. It was not necessarily serving God. And, and as a result, the nation was plunged into chaos. And it became a bad place. And look, I'm not trying to make anything political, okay? I'm not, I'm, I'm not being political from the pulpit. But is there anybody in here that likes the direction the country's going? Okay, cool. I think everyone can agree on both sides of the aisle. Things aren't working real well. And so it was a similar time in this time, and I believe this chapter mirrors what, what's happening in our times. I believe it's prophetic for the times that we're living in. And so 1 Kings 17, verse 1, And Elijah the Tishpite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And so all of a sudden, uh, the prophet has a word from the Lord, and there's going to be no dew or rain. How I many of oh, that is going to plunge the uh, nation into a state of famine, into a state of recession? Now, let me just say this. This didn't happen because God wanted to hurt the people. This wasn't God's idea. This, was what, this is what happens when evil rules. Things get bad. God's not the one punishing. God's not the one... When, when, when evil, and then evil will always try to make it God's fault. That's what Ahab said. Ahab was like, look at you, you troubler of Israel. How I many know oh, that the enemy's real good at gaslighting and blaming you for the things that he actually does? And we're calling his bluff, and we're pulling back the curtain, and we're calling him out on it. But 
And so this is not, God's will is blessing. God's will is multiplication. How many know in the garden, God said, come on, let's roll. Let's, let, let's be fruitful and multiply. God is a God of increase. God is God, not a God of lack. God wants to, wants to be fruitful and multiply. That's always been God's plan. It, that plan has never stopped and never will stop. But because of the evil that was in the land, God needed to purge the evil. Now, please understand this. God makes himself no man's enemy. God makes no human being his enemy. Now, in the Old Testament, it was different. People couldn't get saved in the Old Testament. You know how God delivered people in the Old Testament? The same way you take care of a rotten apple. I mean, if you got a piece of rottenness on an apple, you just cut it off. That's how deliverance happened in the Old Testament. Somebody had a devil in the Old Testament, they just killed him because they didn't have the ability to set him free. But how many know when Jesus comes around, it's different? The leper comes to Jesus, and Jesus, what's in Jesus is stronger than what's on the leper. And Jesus lays hands on the leper. The leprosy don't get on Jesus. The healing get, comes from Jesus. Into the leper, the leper's made whole. In the new covenant, it's different. I mean, Saul of Tarsus was the greatest enemy of the early church. And God said, I'm going to choose that guy to write two-thirds of the New Testament to show you guys how awesome I am because how many of God's redemption is greater than man's failure? So, so God is not setting himself as, as the enemy of any human being. We don't war against flesh and blood. How many of God can save everybody in the White House overnight? Can I get an amen? God can save every senator and every, you know what I'm saying, and all these, every, blah, 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 Hollywood, etc. And he wants to. It's God's will that all men be saved. So I'm not trying to, to raise a war cry against humans, but I am raising a war cry against evil. And evil has been running the show for a little bit, and it's time for evil to let back and cut back and let go of the reins, and it's time for Jesus to be king again. And, uh, Whew, you don't want to mess with Jesus. I'm telling you, he came as a lamb the first time. He ain't coming back as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion. There's no one stronger or mightier than Jesus Christ. Period. And so there's a purging of evil in the land. And what we're going through as a nation is a part of that process. I mean, you know, I would say in the past few years, we've been able to see... How many of the curtain has been pulled back and we've got to see what's been going on with the media and what's been going on in the world? How many of we've been lied to for a long time? There's been a lot of, of that stuff that's going on. So God's exposing it for the purpose of purging it. And God wants to save as many of those people as he can. Amen. Because God is for people. So anyway, so the repercussions of the evil hit the fan, no rain for three years. It's, and then it says, then the word of the Lord came to him, came to Elijah. Elijah has instructions from the Lord. Everybody say relationship. relationship. Let me tell you, everybody in here, you have the ability to hear God. God will lead you. God will guide you. Thank God for preachers. Thank God for leaders. But the purpose of a pastor and a preacher is to point you to Jesus so you can have your own relationship with God. So you can hear God for yourself. But Elijah, out of a place of relationship, God is about to guide him to a place of provision. Because Elijah is not going to go through this famine like everybody else does. And let me say this, the church of Jesus Christ is not going to go through this like everybody else does. Because there's light in Goshen, there's promises that we have. This is not just a book filled with pages, there's promises in here, man. And we're going, to, we're going to need these exceeding great and precious promises in the days ahead. Amen? Amen? Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here.
turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. It's provision. This is blessing. Everybody here, you've got a brook Cherith that God's going to lead you to. God's going to lead your business to a brook Cherith. God's going to lead your work to a brook Cherith. God's going to lead you. All you got to do is acknowledge him. How many of y'all got to humble yourself and recognize you're not smart? The greatest thing you can realize is that you don't know what's up. Don't, here's the thing. In, in, in the days ahead, man's smarts is not going to work. In fact, man's smarts has been shown to be an absolute failure these, these past few years. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows what to do. But the Lord does. And if you humble yourself, he'll lead you to a place of provision. He'll lead you and your family to a brook cherith. And he'll provide for you. And so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook cherith, which flows into Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And so there's provision. There's provision. But it happens out of a place of relationship. And it happened after a while that the brook, the brook dried up because there's been no rain on land. Uh-oh. Provision dried up here. What are we going to do? We're just going to do whatever he says. We're going to take the next step. And whatever he says, that's what we're going to do. Can I get an amen? amen. So, when, so when the provision dries up in an area, God has a new area. God has a new place. God has a new contract for you. And it says, then the word of the Lord came to him. Here comes relationship. Here comes direction. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide, to provide for you. Now listen. I mean, oh, God wants to provide for Elijah, but how many know God also wants to provide for this widow? And so listen, your obedience, you listening to God and being led by God, how many know it's not just going to take care of you? It's going to take care of other people too. And you're going to be able to help other people too. Can I get an amen? I believe in the days ahead, we're going to come together and we're going to help each other more than we ever have. We're going to come together. We're going to help each other. We're going to love each other. We can't, we can't depend on the government to take care of us. We, we got to depend on Jesus Christ, and in depending on Jesus Christ, we depend on each other as well. These are great days. These are good days. And he says, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of food of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord... As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. How many of you know she's in a bad place? She's in a depressed place. She's in a scary place. She thinks she's about to eat her last meal and die. But how many of you know God has sent provision to her? And God is about to rescue her and her son. But how many know that in order for that to happen, Elijah had to listen to God? In order for the next part to happen, she's going to have to listen to God too through somebody else's mouth. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. And that's the word for all of us. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. I mean, you know, her making a small cake for him first is an act of faith. Because she knows there's only enough for one cake. But, but she listens. 
But thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which was spoken by Elijah. Everybody say miracle. miracle. So see, this was, this was miraculous provision. How many of you know God can do miracles in your finances? Amen. Come on, man. God, I mean, he's a good, I mean, of, of, and, and some of y'all may not know God is a provider, but how many you know a father provides? I love my kids. I want my kids to have everything that they want. I want my kids to have the things I never had. I want that for them, right? Why? Because I love them. If I'm that good of a father, how much more the father in heaven? God wants to take care of you. He wants to take care of you and your house. And God has the ability to do things and to fix things and to tilt things and to change things in your favor. All you got to do is just walk with him in a place of relationship and acknowledge him in that and invite him into your life as a provider. But he is a provider, and he will provide for you. Amen? Amen. And so then um, the next thing that, that happens, let's look at it. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. Now listen, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the devil does. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. If you see sickness, if you see death, that's not the work of God. That's the work of the enemy. And so the enemy did not have the ability to hit them financially because there was a miraculous occurrence there in their finances. And so what does he do? He tries to attack her child. He tries to come against her child. But how many know God's not going to stand for that? And how many know that God's going to do a miracle in the child and is going to rescue the child? And Let's continue. And after these things, the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring to my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? How many know in moments of extreme, dire situations, people can blame God? And let me tell you something right now. It's okay. It's okay. When the pain happens, it's, it, it's, easy, it's easy to do. And even Elijah slips up into it as well. But how many know God's not going to let this thing stay like this? And I'm going to say this to you. God's going to clear his name in all the earth. Before this thing's over with, God's name will be cleared. And we're going to find out that God never brought sickness. God never brought death. God never brought disease. God is not a God of death. He's a God of life. And I'll say this quickly. Do you know the day's going to come when you'll never see death again? Death will never, you'll never see it again. It'll be gone. You'll never have to see. You'll never have to deal with it. There'll be no more separation ever again. Because death is not the plan of God. When we live in heaven, when we live with Jesus, nothing will ever die again. No person will die. No flower will die. Nothing will die. Death's not the plan of God. God hates death. He says it's the last enemy that's going to be put under your feet. The last enemy that goes down is death. Oh, what a day of rejoicing. God, Jesus mocks death. He said, oh, death, where's your sting at? He mocks it because he hates it. Whew, how many know you hate it too? I hate it too. We hate death. Death is not a part of what we were created to do. I remember one time I was taking Eli to get some ice cream, 
uh, downtown Versailles, and he was like, Dad, can we not go this way? Can we not go this way? And I was like, why? What's going on? He's like, last time I was there, I, there there's a dead bird. And I was like, I was like, no, son, you know, that bird's probably, he's like, I don't want to see that dead bird. I don't want to see that dead bird. How many know as a child in his little tender conscience, how many know death is offensive to him? Because he wasn't created for death, right? And so God is about to attack death and, and, and subdue it and rescue this child. And he, and, 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 and he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him up to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. And he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow whom I lodged by killing her son? I mean, he's, he's slipping up too. He's freaking out as well. And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he was revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother and said, See, your son lives. And the woman said, Elijah, to Elijah, by this now I know that you're a man of God and the word of the Lord is in your mouth is true. Now listen to me. Certainly God hates death in a physical sense, but I believe in the days ahead there's also going to be, there's also going to be sons and daughters that come back to you, that come back to the Lord. Because, because in the days ahead... Um, because of the challenge of the days, you know, me, for example, you know, I was drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, lunatic, and I hated God and I was against God. You know how I came to God? Everything around me burnt to the ground and everywhere I went, it burnt to the ground. Everywhere I was at, everything burnt to the ground. And my life became so miserable on earth. I finally said, man, you know what? I'm going to give Jesus a shot. And for some people like me, you can be so hard-headed that you won't choose life until you're surrounded by death, until you have no other options. I mean, when I finally came to the Lord, I had all these warrants out for my arrest. I had cut my hair and dyed my hair. I was running from the cops. I had all these felonies. I was homeless. I mean, I had, I mean everybody had given up on me except Stacy. I always say that, but she, she never gave up on me. She's a straight-up life preserver from the Lord to me, man. And, but, but here's the thing, like, I, I, in order for me to meet Jesus, I had to come to the end of myself. And in the days ahead, there's going to be sons and daughters who've ran from the house of God, who's ran from God, who's ran from you, and they are going to be revived. They're going to be brought back to life. And, and it's going and to and be, be a result of some of the challenges that are happening in the land. And that's okay. And these challenges are not going to last forever. And so now... And so then, let's continue to drop down here, and, and then the time comes when the famine actually breaks. And I don't believe this thing's going to last forever. I believe it's going to break, and I believe we're going to come out of it, and we're going to come on the other side. And it came to pass after many days, as the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was severe famine in Samaria. But then the rain came, everything was restored in a moment's time. And I just want to read, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read to you Psalm 37 and verse 18 through 20. And it's a promise that the Lord has given to us. It says, The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. In the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. In the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the metals, shall vanish into smoke, and they shall vanish away. I believe there's going to be a purging of evil, and I believe there's going to be a removing. It's hot in here. Turn some AC on. Turn it on. Turn on. Turn the AC on, please. Somebody, turn it on. Hallelujah. Just click that thing down until something happens. 
I won't see some, I won't see some snowflakes coming out of the ceiling. Praise God. Yeah, whatever we got to do. Turn that fan on, man. Hallelujah. Why did I wear a long sleeve shirt? What was I thinking, man? Praise the Lord. Anyway, Psalm 37, verse 25, I've been young and now I'm old, and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. Can I get an amen? amen. And so the, the famine breaks and things return, but before that actually happens, and we're not going to go into this for sake of time, but how many of did the prophets of Baal uh, meet against the, the, the Elijah, and how many of the prophets of Baal fall? How many of darkness falls, right? I mean, Hollywood's so wicked and evil now. Like, it was always been evil, but, like, it's blatantly evil now. It's insane. I mean, they're just worshiping the devil now, like, openly, you know? And, uh, and it was like that in this time, too. And, but but there's going to be a clash between light and darkness. And how I many you know light and darkness don't fight? You ever notice that? Like, when we came into the church today and we turned the lights on, there wasn't a fist fight between light and darkness. How I many you know when light shines, darkness flees? Amen. Just bottom line. There's no comparison. There's no fight. And so the prophets of Baal fell. The altar was fixed and restored, and the children of Israel came back to God. I believe that our country is going to turn its heart back to the Lord, and we're going to start honoring God in our school systems. We're going to start honoring God in our communities, and the pendulum is going to swing back. So be it, Lord. Do you think he can do it? Of course he can. Has there ever been anything that was too strong for him? Never. 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 He just lets the opposition rise up so he can mow them down and show, and show, him, show who he is. There's never been a time when it was too strong for him. But like we're, you know, like, see, when you look at the scriptures, you get to read the end of the story. How I many you know we're living out scriptures right now? There, there's books being written now. I mean, people will, and, and we're at our place in our story in our nation when it's a time of darkness. But God, but God, he's going to turn the whole thing around. Amen. So good. And so the drought ends. These things are restored. And for sake of time, I, I don't want to go into all of that. But what I do want to go to, I do want to go into 1 Kings 19 real quick. And I want to address Elijah's heart after all of these things happen. Because when you go through challenging times, because Elijah had been through challenging times. And, and he felt like he was alone. And he was in a place of darkness. And how many of you can go through something and get to the other side, but your heart's still wrecked. And you're still not healed here. Now, you're on the other side. But there's still a wounding of your heart that needs to be healed in order for you to continue with your life. And Elijah had faced the prophets of Baal slain the prophets of Baal, 450 went down, he repaired the altar, he, he caused rain to come, and he has the greatest victory of his life, but then he goes and sits under this juniper tree and he's ready to kill himself. And he got through the battle, but his heart was wounded. How I many of you, you can go through some stuff and you can take, take, it could take a toll on you. And, and things might be sunny on the outside, but there's still an element of pain and darkness that you're carrying. And so here Elijah was used mightily by God to turn the children of Israel back, back to God. But he himself feels alone. He himself is in a place of darkness. And he's literally ready to, to die. And, and, and I think 
that many of us these past few years have experienced a lot of loss and a lot of challenge and even a lot of anger at the injustice and the lies that we dealt with. And we have to be careful that our heart doesn't get filled with, with bitterness and pain so that when we do get through the birthing canal or when we do get through the challenge, we do get through the storm, God still wants to reach down and heal that broken, broken and wounded place in your heart to restore your joy and your sense of self and your sense of purpose. And so God is reaching down to Elijah. How many, everybody say relationship. relationship. He, he has a relationship. God's speaking to him. I mean, everybody in here, you have a relationship with God. But God wants to draw you deeper. He wants to draw you closer. He wants to, I don't care how long you've been in this thing, he always wants you to be closer. Why? Because he loves you so much. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to be led. But Elijah's in this place of brokenness. And so he's under this juniper tree. He's totally freaked out. And, and he doesn't know what to do. And he's actually, he, he's, in a, he's in a really bad place. And he keeps uttering this same phrase over and over again. And I, we're going to look at this phrase in just a minute. But the Lord comes to him, and he, he feeds him. He, see, he gives him you know, a jar of water, and he gives him bread, and he eats. And then the angel wakes him up again, and he eats again. And then the Lord speaks to him and says, you know, and tells him where to go. And so he goes into this cave, right? And in this cave, God's about to heal him. God's about to heal him in the cave. Anybody ever, ever been in the cave? <laughs> Praise God. The cave is where you don't want to be around anybody. And you just want to be alone. And you draw back. How I many you know sometimes it can be painful to be around people because people are the ones who've hurt you? People are the ones that have said things to you. People are the ones that have hurt you and abused you. But I'm here to tell you, that you're not called to be alone. You're called to be in community. You're called to be around other people. You need other people. There's no such thing as solo Christianity. It's not in the book. You must have community. You must be around people. And that's one of the reasons the enemy attacks churches so strong, get people self-righteous and hypocritical and mean, and, and, and it's all this dumb stuff, and it's not really a family, and people are like, forget church, forget coming together. And you don't have to come to church to have community, but you need other people. You know, the only thing God created and didn't say it was good was when he had when he created man yeah amen amen i mean it wasn't me it was the lord man he made everything this is good this is good this is good okay here's man oh oh he needs some help he needs some help and and i don't want to bring out the the fact that he was a man but i want to bring out the fact that he was alone he was alone and he didn't have anything to share with and then when god created woman and then, then they had each other, and then all of a sudden things were okay again. And God said, okay, it's good. And so I say all that to say that cave of isolation might be a place you pass through, but it's not a place you can live in. You've got to come out of the cave. You've got to come back into a place of fellowship with other believers because you must heal. And not only that, you need people, and people need you. Everybody in here, you've got something that you could teach everybody in here. Just because I'm sitting up here doesn't mean I'm the person that's the smartest or knows the most. Everybody in here, we can all learn from each other. Can I get an amen? amen? But if we don't have the opportunity to sit down and do a little bit of life together, I can't learn from you and you can't learn from me. And the enemy's always trying to get us into a place of solitude and bring us into the cave. So God finds Elijah in the cave and he starts to minister to that wounded place in his heart. 
How do you know somebody's wounded? Just listen to what they say. What are they saying over and over again? 1 Kings 19, verse 9. And there Elijah went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, when God starts asking you questions, that's when you know you need help. Because how many know God knows what he's doing? But he don't know what he's doing. And God's trying to help him locate the pain that's in his heart for the purpose of healing him. So he said, and this is the phrase he starts saying over and over again. I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets, and with the sword, I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. He says that over and over and over again. He says it again in the, in the next chapter. What's happening here? He's hurt. And he's bitter, and there's a sense of injustice because of what's happened that's resonating in his heart so strong that all he can do is be bitter and angry and alone. Many of us have experienced some injustice in the past few years, and we've had an opportunity to be angry and bitter and offended. How many of you there's a lot of offense going around? Offense will kill you, man. It'll kill the saved. It'll kill the unsaved. You can't live offended and angry. You can't do it. Has people wrong? Everybody in here, how many, everybody in here, people have wronged you? Oh, yes. You've been wrong. But you don't have a right to hold ought against anyone any longer. You relinquished that right when you became a believer. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, I'll say this. Did Jesus wrong anybody? Was Jesus wronged worse than anyone has ever been wronged? The cross settled every account. Even on the cross, he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So Jesus settled your account. Whoever wronged you, Jesus settled that account. With his blood. I've been wronged tremendously. Wronged by my family. Wronged by churches. Wronged by ministers. Wronged by people. Wronged, 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 wronged. But you know what? I don't have a right to demand that they make it right. See, I've been forgiven of much. And because I've been forgiven of much, I can release forgiveness. And when you forgive the people that have hurt you, when you forgive the people that have wronged you, do you know who you set free? You. Forgiveness is a river, and it comes to you. God doesn't demand that you pay for your sin. God doesn't demand that you do anything. God says, just receive my gift. Just receive my love. I was a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist. I, I damned God. I tried to talk people out of believing in God. I had done all kinds of awful things. God didn't ask for me to settle my account. He said, the only thing I want you to do is let me love the hell out of you. Let me love you. Let me, let me forgive you. And I just kept receiving and receiving and receiving. It kept washing and washing and washing until, boom, it became a river that came out of me. And now, you know what? I don't hold on against anybody anymore because I don't need to or want to. 
I don't, I mean, like, who cares? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't hold odd against my father because he wasn't there for me. I don't hold odd against spiritual leaders because they used me. I don't, I don't care. Jesus settled everybody's account. I can forgive and live in forgiveness, and my heart's clear. But I know people who never have released that offense. They never release that. And folks, offense will damn up your heart to receive the grace and love of God. How many of y'all have ever seen a bitter, offended, angry Christian? How many of y'all have ever been a bitter, offended, angry Christian? (laughs) Me too. Me too. I had a season. But at some point, you got to let it go so the river can flow. And you got to crack it open, man, and you got to put it on the cross. We've got to put it on the cross. We've got to put it on the cross. Got to put it on the cross. Got to put it on the cross. What's going to destroy racism? The cross. What's going to destroy political division? The cross. What's going to destroy all these things? You know, the enemy loves to get us worked up and offended and mad at each other. Rah, rah. Everybody's fighting, and the devil just over in the corner laughing, eating a sandwich that he stole from you. The way we shut him down is we give forgiveness. Can I get an amen? We got to release the love of God. We, we, we let forgiveness flow. And Elijah's in this place of anger and bitterness and resentment because he'd been, he had fought for so long by himself. But God corrects him beautifully. And so, I'll just read it again. Then he said, So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord our God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone, let me, let me stop it real quick. Right? Don't get mad at evil for being evil. Evil's evil. Don't be mad at the world for hating Christians. If they're not born again, they don't know. Don't get mad at them. They, they need loved. They need the light shine. They need freedom. Your anger is not going to change anybody. Your anger is not going to fix anything. Lay your anger down. Amen. And I'm not saying there's a righteous indignation. We're going to take a stand for what's right and what's true, and we're not going to let go of that. We're going to do it with courage, and we're going to do it with strength. I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm not talking about being weak. But I'm talking like people's lives are changed through the love of God, not through the anger of man. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. And then he said, God speaking, he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rock in pieces before the Lord, for the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, here comes relationship, a still, small voice. The voice of your father will change everything. And the father's about to speak to one of his sons who'd grown bitter and lonely. And so it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, his mantle, and he went out and he stood in the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him, and God says the same thing. What are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> why are you in the cave? Why are you in bitterness? Why are you in resentment? Why are you, why, what's going on? And he said, and he rehearses his same rehearsed speech, I've been zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. 
And then the Lord said to him, what's happening? The Lord's about to give him fresh direction and fresh assignments. I can't compete with that right there, man. That's a cutie. He's getting some snacks or something, praise God. Getting his jacket. Sorry to... to, uh, That is... I think that's Lily's jacket. Just take all the jackets. Just take them all, man. Okay. You need that jacket? Okay, cool. Everybody say, we love you, Eli. (laughs) You're a good son, man. Yeah. God gives him fresh direction. She says, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king of Syria, and you shall anoint Jehu as the son of Nimshi. How many know God's calling in help to Elijah? God, and he's like, you're not alone. You're not alone. There's more help. They're about, and everyone they just mentioned here are, are the ones that are going to purge evil out of the land. Jezebel dies. Ahab dies. And, and there, there's a restoration of purity in the land. You shall anoint Jehu the son of Nimshi as king of Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of, of Abel of Maloah, you shall anoint his prophet in your place. And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. And, and once again, God's not into killing folk. God's into saving folk. But in this particular time, God's purging the evil this way. And then God says something to him. God corrects him right here. He says, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel and all those whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Listen to me. The, the media in the world would try to make us Christians feel like we are alone and so few. There are more of us than what we realize in this nation who are rising up, who are ready to take a stand for truth, and the sleeping giant of America is waking up. So... You're not alone, and there are other people, and you're going to work together with other people. And we're going to see other churches work together and not fight each other. I'm talking about the the denominations and the non-denominations and the Baptists and the Charismatics and and, and the Methodists and all that. How many of you know it's time to stop arguing over the dumb stuff and just we believe in Jesus and let's take a stand for truth? And the reality is we can all learn from each other, but it's time for us as the body of Christ to unite and to come together. And I just want to encourage you, if you've had a season of bitterness, if you've had a season of loneliness, if you've had a season of distrust, if you've had a season where the cry of your heart was injustice and you were in a state of anger, God is speaking to you and He's saying, lay it down. Put it on the cross. Don't, don't bear that any longer. Can I get an Amen. You're not going to find a happy, offended person. Everybody in this room, you've been wronged, right? We've all been wronged. But the reality is, is the person that wronged you, how many of them, they had someone that wronged them? You know, like my dad. My dad was wronged by his dad, and wronged by his dad, and wronged by his dad. We go all the way back to the garden, we go all the way back to the serpent. Lay the blame on the enemy, right? That's what happened on the cross. And there's a releasing, and there's a forgiveness that flows, and there's a healing of the heart that God wants to do for people's lives. Can I get an amen? amen. And I'm telling you, the days ahead are, are, are wonderful days. They're good days. And, uh, but it is a time to hear what God's saying to you and to do what God's telling you to do. Amen? Whatever that is. You know, whatever that looks like. So, amen. That's the encouragement that I have. Does anybody have anything they want to add to that?
Thank you. Thank you. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, we're we're gonna finish and then we're going to um, we're gonna open up, I'm gonna dismiss, and then we're gonna open up for prayer if anybody wants prayer. And so if you want prayer, um, stick around and we'll pray for you. Or if you want to pray for people, that we'll, we'll, that's we'll do all of those things. But if you want, if you need to be dismissed and you need to roll on out, go ahead and roll on out. So that's that's what's going to happen. But if you if you want to give and you want to bless our ministry, uh, uh, Tim will get you an offering envelope. And if you need an offering envelope, lift your hand up, and we'll get one to you. Thank you for the people that give online. We're grateful. Our giving actually went down for a little bit. And uh, our link went down, and, and uh, man, I tell you what, it's amazing what the enemy will do to try to attack, uh, you know, attack stuff, but it's been restored, and it's better. It's funny, like our PayPal link, it was sending people to some weird equality type thing. And so, like, all the people that were trying to give to our church were going over here. And I was like, what? I was like, a bunch of... Crackers? <laughs> Y'all trying to be scandalous, and so man, we had to get we had to get in there, we had to work it all out, and uh, and and we got it worked out, and it's fine, and all is well, and we're grateful. But it was definitely there was an attack on it, so it's good. You know, I get to do something really fun today. I get to preach to a church in Sweden today, wow. through through online at three o'clock today. I'm gonna I get to preach to this church in Sweden. Yeah, I'm I'm hyped, man. Yeah, they reached out to me, and and we've been we've been ministering to a lot of these people for years, and they've and now they have a church and they understand the gospel, and I'm gonna get to preach to them. Yeah, man, I'm gonna be like, send me chocolate, because <laughs> I think I am Swedish. That's what my that's what my people tell me, because my great 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 grandfather's name was Johansson, and he came to Kentucky, and they were like, nah, you're not you're Johnson now. <laughs> So anyway, my wife always makes fun of me when I say that, but praise God. She's like, yeah, I'm not someone to be like, man, send me some chocolate, you know, praise God. Yeah, everything's good now. Everything, we, we got everything fixed. So anyway, so did you have something to share? Well, let's, let's do that a different way. Let's, let's do that a different way. What Cheryl is looking to do is get everybody's address so that we can kind of stay in touch with everybody and make sure we have the ability to stay in touch with everybody. So we'll take that address book and we'll sit it on that wooden table back there. And if you want to put your address in there so that we can stay in touch with you, we, 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 will, we, will, we will do that. So that's, that's good. And I'll also send that in the church chat as well. So that's good. So anyway, Lord, we ask you to bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So with that, be blessed, go in the joy of the Lord, and have an awesome week. Um, if you want to stick around for prayer, feel free to. If you want to cut out, feel free to. Um, well, I do want to move these chairs up here so that we can pray for people and stuff like that. Got it? We'll just move one. Yeah, we'll move one row or two rows. Do I, I actually don't today. Yeah, I don't. And then... Uh,
turn it into wine Don't you know, don't you know He saved the best of mine